the kitchen should be a place of happiness and love because then it generates through your food. Welcome to Extension Out Loud, a podcast from Cornell Cooperative Extension. I'm your host, Paul Treadwell. In this episode, we dive into the vibrant world of culinary entrepreneurship and the transformative power of food. Join us as we meet Shante Skrine, the creative force behind Sweetay's LLC, and learn about her inspiring journey from home-based cooking to commercial success. Shante's passion for cooking and her determination to leave a legacy for her children led her to pursue her dreams with the support of key players in the local food ecosystem. In conversation with Shante are Katie Matsushima, the commercial kitchen manager and product development specialist at Cornell Cooperative Extension of Broome County, and Amy Willis, the food systems director at CCE Broome. Together, they explore the process of transitioning from home-based food processing to commercial kitchens, the intricacies of licensing, and the joys and challenges of bringing food products to market. This episode also highlights the pivotal role of Cooperative Extension in nurturing food entrepreneurs, providing them with mentorship, guidance, and a supportive community. The commercial kitchen on the campus of Broome CCE serves as a hub for culinary creativity, where entrepreneurs like Shante can refine their recipes, develop new products, and connect with local farmers to create unique, regionally inspired foods. I'm Shante Scrine of Sweet Tea LLC. Hi, Shante. Hi. Nice to meet you. Same to you. Hi there. I'm Katie Matsushima. I'm the CC Broom Commercial Kitchen Manager and Product Development Specialist. Hi, Katie. Hello. And I'm Amy Willis. I'm our Food Systems Director here at Cornell Cooperative Extension of Broom. Thank you all for joining us today. So, Shante, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what has brought you to this table today, sitting down with these two other women to talk to me? The love for food has brought me to this table and working with these ladies here at CE has helped me take my business to the next level, as well as get my food and products out to the customers via the farmer's market, via the Taste of New York. Being able to utilize a kitchen here at the CE has been an awesome connection because I'm able to produce my products and work with some amazing people. So let's go back to 2021 when you started <laughs> What was the motivation to start? My okay. motivation to start is my passion for cooking, one, and two, for my children. Like, I wanted to leave a legacy for them and start something for them in the future. I started from home, making custom cakes and cookies and chips and candy apples, anything that I could do from home with a home processing license. Then I was able to link up with these lovely ladies, and I was able to get my food processing license, the 20C licensing which allowed me to start moving into the catering spectrum and producing food, like as far as food, not just snacks and treats. So uh-huh. I was able to take it to the next level last year. So I'm grateful for that. I'm curious about the home processing license. What did you have to go through to get a license to actually prepare food in your home? Through the ag, the agricultural, it's Broome County Ag. As, is it? So Department of Agriculture. And Department of Agriculture. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go through them. I can yeah. never get all of it together. Yes. I'm sorry. No. So what's that like, though? We normally cook for our families in our home. and We don't think too much about it. But what's it like to have somebody come in and evaluate your kitchen? With the home processing license, they don't necessarily have to do that. Really? Absolutely. That's not something, depending on what you're producing. Uh-huh. So I didn't have to go through that. I just had to really apply and let them know exactly what I was creating from home. And that was pretty much it. Oh, that's... Yeah, it was, it was. It was actually... 
a lot less than what I thought it would be. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot less than what I imagined it to be. But once you start producing food and stuff like that, then uh, that's a different level. So okay. now you definitely need a commercial kitchen in order to operate. So how did you make the connection to... Who did you first connect with here at Corporate Amy, Extension? actually, when I first started from my home, I had contacted them when I first, very first started up because I wanted to get into their farmer's market. But there was a lot of things that I wanted to produce that I had to have the 20C licensing in order to do. So I waited to do that. And in that time, I was still in like other farmer's markets with the cookies and stuff like that. And then I was able to get in the door once they had an opening. Okay. And everything else is history. <laughs> Amy, what... Do you remember the first call Shantae made to you? Yeah, I believe that we had another staff member here at that time working mm -hmm. in the kitchen as well, who started working through the process with her and getting the actual 20C license handled and really just navigating the things that she wanted to grow into. Mm -hmm. When you start as a home processor, we like to start as many people there as we can because it's the least expensive way to start a small food-based business. You start at home with the non-hazardous items, and then as you grow through, you develop a base, you develop customers, you start developing those smaller pieces, mm -hmm. and then it's time to really scale up. Okay. Just for our listeners, is this something that Cooperative Extension generally does as a rule? Which part? Picking up the phone when Shantae is on there and saying, mm -hmm. yeah, we can give you a hand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we consider ourselves the boots on the ground for a lot of different things. And Broome County especially really focuses on the food-based businesses. Every extension has their niche. Mm. And when we put in our commercial kitchen and our farmer's market, we knew that we were going to hit a group of people in Broome County, a group of residents, and a space that we had the opportunity to grow into. Now, what was the motivation to actually build a commercial kitchen? That's not a, an inexpensive adventure, I would imagine. So when the idea came about to do the farmer's market, it initially started over at the Atzenango Park, which is right across the highway from us. Mm -hmm. And then when we decided that it was going to come onto our property, the commercial kitchen and the Taste New York kind of fell in line with it. We really wanted to have that full circle opportunity for our producers. We knew that if people were working so hard on their farms and in agriculture and in food, Wanted to have those next steps available right here on our campus to be able to develop it all the way through. That's great. Just through this, there is there a connection to Agritech in Geneva and the program they have up there? Absolutely. So we send our people there when they're working through their value-added products to get their items tested. So I've been up there and it's amazing. It is one of the neatest opportunities to be able to witness the scientists at work and all of the different ways that they're able to navigate food products and the science behind making something shelf stable is pretty unique. And they are top notch for making sure that the safest food products come into New York State. Katie, we haven't heard from you yet. So how do you, where do you stand in this, in this triad of... <laughs> awesome. I want to say women power. But, but, awesome. Ah. <laughs> But it's funny, we always say how it's interesting where we look around our office, which is growing all the time. I'm looking around at the kitchen and I'm surrounded by women. Uh -huh. It's really amazing. So I feel like we have such a great support system here in the office. And I'm fairly newer as well. So I've worked a lot with Amy. She's helped lead the way with getting me all up to date on all of the licenses, all the insurance the permit pieces. There's just so much that we do. So being the commercial kitchen manager, and then the second part of that's also product development specialist. 
there's just a lot that goes into that in terms of the learning. But we just have such a great network in this office with Cornell, with the Geneva Food Venture Center, mm-hmm. other extensions. So we're definitely part of just a really wonderful network. So we say, if I don't have the answer, somebody does. We know where to point you no matter what you're going through, what you're trying to achieve, what your goals are. So we really work together as a team, I think, really well. I agree. Ashante, back to you for a quick question here. Yes. During the two years that you've been going through this process, what's been the most challenging thing that you've faced moving from your home kitchen to the commercial kitchen to Taste of New York? Just learning all the different licensing, again, that's needed and learning like labeling because I do a lot of the things for myself, from printing my labels to creating them and everything, just learning what it takes to actually get my products into the store. It's just been a lot. It's been a, it's been a lot. It's been a lot from farmers markets, store shelves. That's a big jump. So just making sure that I'm dotting my eyes and crossing my T's, and they've been like phenomenal help because they've actually helped me to do those things, uh-huh. giving me those resources that I can utilize to make this happen, and giving me feedback where I need it to perfect things. So that's always a plus. You need that positive feedback, that constructive criticism sometimes in order to produce the best products. And that's what we want to bring forward. You are one of a number of producers that have been using the commercial kitchen. Can you guys, Amy and Katie, talk about the process of bringing somebody into the kitchen, what that looks like? I'll let Katie take this one. Yeah, yeah. We do have a good amount of people reaching out to us that are looking for any help, maybe if they do want a home processor permit or they want to join the kitchen. So part of it, we always like to say, what do you want to make? What's your do you have a business plan? Where are you expecting to sell this and to who? So we always just try to take a second to make sure that we can understand the bigger picture of what people are trying to do. It's like, yeah, come to our kitchen. It's going to be great. It's okay. Let's pump the brakes because everyone's mm-hmm. so excited and they have so many great ideas. So once we understand that, then we can start to guide them. And then from there, joining the kitchen is a pretty simple process. If they decide, okay, you would like to produce in a commercial kitchen. It's what you need for what food product you want to make. We just have a pretty simple kitchen application and then just some insurance pieces. That's it for the most part. And then from there, it's guiding them through what permits do you need? Is this going to be 20 seat food processor? If you're going to, let's say, go to make a shelf stable product that you eventually want to get on store shelves, or do you want to do more the catering route? So that would be just going local through Broome County Department of Health and getting your food permit that way. And then you can become, for example, a food vendor at the farmer's market or a caterer, which we're finding in our area is just so popular now. There's just a really big need for that. And a lot of people here, like Shantae, oh, they, answering they have that. Yeah, no, you're answering that call. Absolutely, absolutely. So a couple of things you said, Shantae, that resonate particularly with me when I'm sure with a lot of people. The idea of food being love is... I just got chills. (laughs) There is something about that element of care and affection that comes out. So how do you express that in your cooking? By taking my time and treating products with care, like, and really taking the time to taste and just the overall, the environment, the feeling I have to be in the kitchen. It should be a place of happiness and love because then it generates through your food. Yeah. It really does. It radiates to the people. People taste, oh my God, what is that? Love. Yeah. That little extra attention that I took to put in there. Just the care. It's yeah. the overall care of the product itself. Yeah. I don't care if it's a loaf of bread. It's all on how you 
process it, how you take care of it, how you handle it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> right with you on that whole Absolutely. Of thought, You like to cook, so you know. You know yeah, and I, I think a lot of people do, but sometimes for many of us who aren't doing this as a profession or as an aspiring profession, cooking becomes very burdensome that's and why it routine. That's come from a place of love. That's right. But sometimes after a full day's work and if you're managing kids, it's hard to muster that love when you're... I go through it every... I mean, I'm, a, I'm a single mom of two. Yeah, okay. And I'm running my business and delete completely. I live that every day. I live it every day because I still go home and prepare food for my children. And then I come and I prepare food for the taste or food for the market. So believe me, I get it and I live it. Yeah. I live it. But it comes from... Cooking is definitely a labor of love. It has to be. So... One of the things that, that also interests me is the idea that, do you come from a family where cooking was a valued skill? Absolutely. My grandmothers, both of my grandmothers, absolutely. And absolutely. Were they native Bing, Binghamtonians? Is that the correct <laughs> term? <laughs> no. My, great, my grandmother from Mississippi, like, I'm from Brooklyn originally, okay. um, but I have roots in the West Indies and as in, in the South. So that's where you get that togetherness of all different kinds of cuisine coming together. Then I grew up in Brooklyn around a bunch of Hispanics, different, just the melting pot. So it was just exposure to all different kinds of cuisine. So that's why I just love to cook everything, like bread, I can make cookies. We could, we do it all. I Well, I do it all. I love to do it all. Like, I, I just can't put myself in a box. That's why I think I have so much cooking. <laughs> it's just hard. It's just hard. It, but I love it. This is what I'm here to do. I think we already touched on this a bit, but Amy and Katie, part of what you do is mentoring. Can you talk a little bit about that process and how you identify somebody who's ready to take the next step? Absolutely. And it's something that Katie and I talk about is every email comes in. That's why when she said we get that first bit of information, we can really tell from that moment whether somebody's ready to take the next steps with us. And just as much as it's a labor of love to cook the food, it's honestly a labor of love for us, too, to build the relationships, to watch and to be there as these businesses grow. We've had quite a few different small businesses come through the kitchen, and each of them holds us in different ways. We have young people. We have older people. We've got retired people looking for just something to do on the side, and we have people who have it as their primary source of income. And each of them gets our cell phone number. We are reachable all the time, and we really want to be part of their business. We want to make sure that relationship is held from the very beginning. So as those initial emails come in, Katie and I take that time to say, okay, what are they looking for? They then come in, meet with Katie, and she gets a little bit of a deeper feel on where they're about to go. From those spaces, we really see, are they farmer's market? Are they value-added products? and what their needs are from us. How much hand-holding do we need to do? Are they ready to go? Do they need more of our support? So we really take it on a base-by-base -base and really see each person as they come. I think that's a really good point is there's all the points we can help people on, but every person is so different. Their experience, their ideas, and we're I think regardless of where we think they might head, I think I can speak for both of us saying that like, we will invest 100% in them up until they say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then we always like to just leave the door open as well, too, for future possibilities, because it's a lot. And some of these people, they have 
full-time job. Mm-hmm. They want to branch off and start a new life, be mm-hmm. able to support their family or so many different things. So we're working with people at the end of the day. So there's that human factor of life and everything that comes with it. So things take their own time and everyone moves at their own pace. We're just, we're ready when they are. We're right. here. So Shante, have you felt the love from these two? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So what is it about Binghamton that makes this seems so unique, so special. I think it just has a lot of hidden talents. It's a lot of people now bringing their dreams and goals to the forefront. It's really like people are really taking, I guess the pandemic too had a lot to do with that. People are embracing life a little bit more. And it's a lot of people here in Broome County that got this talent here yeah. from on, on all different kinds of spectrums. There's so much talent here. So I'm not surprised. I'm born and raised here. So this is a place that I cherish. A lot of the people that I see on a Saturday are people I've been seeing for years. The, again, I can go back to relationships all of the time, and that goes through the businesses. It goes through our work experiences, everything. There's just something really special about building up Binghamton, and I think it's gone through waves, and we are at a point right now where we're watching it thrive. And for people that have been through all of the little nooks and crannies of what Broome County and Binghamton have been through, it's an exciting time. But Back but Binghamtonians are not unique, though. You jump across every small town in this state, in this country. There are people who are caring, compassionate, concerned, who want to do things. So if there's this perfect storm in a very positive way of uh, the presence of cooperative extension with specialists who can help support someone like Shante with the facilities able to make those connections. I want to shift for a moment from you, Shante, to talk to Amy and Katie about some of the other folks that are using the commercial kitchen. What can you tell me about what are they doing? What is their process like? Is What are the hopes for the future for them? Yeah, so right now we have about five different full-time vendors in the kitchen. Some of them vend at the Saturday farmer's market and then do other catering events. And then others are just pure caterers. One in particular, they have, it's a to-go meal service. So it's healthy, affordable, prepped meals that people can pick up straight from the kitchen, which is a really great service that we have seen has been really popular. And also the farmer's market vendors we have, in addition to Shantae, we have a Korean food vendor. They just started three months ago. And I think it's just interesting watching everyone's journey to see the different paths they take. And I think that it also can be surprising. So this vendor in particular, they were looking to bottle their spicy chili sauce, kimchi. They were waiting on the 20C license from New York State Markets, and there's been a huge backlog. They're actually backlogged three months okay. for that license. But she said, hey, but the market's now. I'm ready to go. I want to do something now. And we said, okay, go local. That's always the easier way. Get a food permit. And now they're selling hot green food at the market and finding a lot of success there and doing some other catering events, too. So it's always cool to watch the journey that everybody takes. And then who else do we have in the kitchen? We also have a Puerto Rican food as well. So we just have a huge variety in the kitchen of a lot of different cuisines. And then we also do offer a commissary service too. So some people might not be producing in our kitchen per se, but they might have food trucks. So we have one that sweeps. We have a hot dog vendor. We have a couple different people that have us as their home base for all their resources, maybe a small amount of production, filling up their truck for their food truck, things like that. And then they're just all across town at different food events. So 
So it, commercial kitchen is located in the farmer's market. Farmers show up with all their produce. Is there a crossover between the produce at the farmer's market and then them being used in products in the commercial kitchen? So that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. So let us come in and see that connection that you can buy your fresh veg there. So definitely we have vendors buying from different farmers at the market and using their products there or maybe using honey and different sauces that, that they're using. So we're definitely lucky that we have the farmer's market community to draw from. And vendors are definitely seeing that as well. Cool. We have a local food truck who comes certain Saturdays when they don't have other events and they'll do a farmer's market special. So they'll go shop the farmer's market before it opens, see what's there, and then create something that's special just for that Saturday. That's a really so, beautiful thing. Yes, yeah, that, it is. That is that's, I think it's the ideal thing, right? When yeah. you think of a farmer's market and people are looking at food and farm to table and eating fresh and local and in season. Yeah, the seasonality thing is really right there. It's, Absolutely. It's like, yeah, so that's, that is a beautiful sort of completion of the cycle. Yeah, that is great. So I do want to, there, there are two other things and then we can just decide whether to go on or not. But the transition from, and Shante, I'm going to shift back to you now. Welcome back to the conversation. Well, well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the transition from your home to the kitchen, to the farmer's market, to Taste of New York stores, to stores. Is it, once you make it from the farmer's market to Taste of New York stores, are your products then able to be sold in other stores or is it specific to Taste of New York shops? As of right now, it's just specific to Taste of New York for net. Okay. And so I make some more connections. I'm looking to bottle up my barbecue sauce. So mm. that's going to go preferably, hopefully, into the Taste and into other stores. Oh. I'm just at the ground right now. So I'm just on the ground and I'm running. So <laughs> just, <yeah. laughs> but yeah, that that's pretty much it for net. Okay. For net. Yeah. Okay. So being able to sell in a taste store doesn't necessarily mean you're able to sell in grocery stores. It does. It has to do a lot with your insurance, your labeling, your packaging, yeah. uh, your actual production capacity, those types of things. So when you start using our facilities and you start working with myself and Katie, we really want to make sure and hone in on all of those smaller pieces as you scale up into a larger production, which is one of the best things and why we call it the full circle down here, the soil to shelf. We're able to work through the commercial kitchen and into this smaller store first, work through, get the bugs out, really focus in on the labeling and your wholesale pricing and what's selling and what's not. It's really having that direct, who are your customers and who's buying opportunity before we can then get them into the larger stores. Okay. We also have another Taste New York location in Kirkwood, which is our Southern Tier Welcome Center. So the idea is once they really navigate this Front Street location and get down all of those smaller pieces and they're able to scale up and they're ready, we get them into that location, which can see 66,000 customers a month. Wow. The amount of people going through that facility is quite massive as it's on 81 North. So this is our little sister store that we start people out in to make sure they're ready for the bigger location. And she's doing a great job. So that will be her next step for sure. Cool. So, and I'm so humble. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the way things should work. So absolutely, this is, this absolutely. Is good. Able to get back the feedback, like she was just saying, that's letting me know what I need to do to work it out so that I can move to those next the next step. I'm going to ask a possibly 
impolitic question here. So Taste of New York stores are staffed, run by Cooperative Extension, but it's an ag and markets thing, right? Yes, it's an ag and markets program. And then a portion of them are run through extensions. There are other Taste New Yorks that are run by outside entities, but the lucky ones are run extensively. <laughs> so if someone like Shante, not specifically singling her out in this case, but if somebody like her, somebody like me, you went through the process. If once I work with you guys, is it going to be easier for me to get into the Taste of New York store and then grow myself further or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will say yes. Yeah. It's, it's somebody Sorry. that's there for you. It's a, it's one person that is really navigating those muddy waters of food products and li licensing and wholesaling that's your partner just to really be your cheerleader along the way and make sure that everything, again, I's are dotted and T's are crossed to get you to the next level. So here's my possibly contentious question. Oh, what do you guys get out of it? What do, what, not you, Shantae. We know what you get out of it. <laughs> and that's really cool and very good. But for the extension end, what do you guys get out of this? How do you sustain this program? It's so funny because I watch different entities and small businesses succeed. And I feel like I'm, like I am a mom, but I feel like they're, like I, the success that you, you know, that feeling you have when you watch your kid go from one smaller thing to jump to a larger thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, they did. I'm so proud. <laughs> we get that same feeling. And honestly, I think a lot of us go into the field of service for that reason. Mm. My background is sociology. I never in a million years imagined I'd be working in agriculture. I thought for sure it would have taken a different path and I couldn't see myself anywhere else. That, that ability to connect to people mm. is everything. And for extension workers, I think most of us would agree across the state that helping others and being that other person to connect with and build others up is first and foremost. 100%. I come from the restaurant business. So for me, and I've always loved food nonprofits, just seeing that the power that food has to lift people up and connect people. I'm not surprised that I'm here at all. <laughs> so it's great just to be able to work with people so closely. Like we just have our own personal relationships and one size does not fit all by any means. So it's just great knowing that you have that impact on someone's, it's someone's, it's their business, but it's their life, it's their whole life. So getting to work with them in the office, in the kitchen, stop by, grab some things at the farmer's market, see how they're doing there. It's just a really amazing experience. And we're really hard to get rid of. One, <laughs> we still follow you. Go to your, we're going to order catering for every large event that we have. It's just, it's great. One of the things that I don't think I specifically brought up at this, up till this point is, I had this question about the role or the importance of food as a bridge across cultures. So can you, Shantae, can you talk about preparing food and using that as a way to maybe span some gulfs that otherwise would exist with people? Food is something that brings everybody to the table. Okay. Food is universal. This one of those things that everybody has to eat. So being able to feed people Feeding people's soul. That's why I like to cook. That's why I say I cook with love because it all comes from 
your soul. And when you see people embark on the food that you prepared, it just makes me happy. But food itself is worldwide. Like everybody, again, everybody has to eat. If you can cook a meal and bring people going to come to the table, whether they like it or not, (laughs) hopefully you cooked well, they're going to come to the table and that opens up space for other things, other conversations and things like that. Absolutely. Food is life. Food is one of those things I think that can help. Bring everybody to the table. Right. One of the best things about our location, I think you talk about Southern food. There isn't really like a Northern food. You come to Broome County and you punch in and you're staying in some hotel, best restaurants. You are going to find something from every background in Broome mm-hmm. County. We are a melting pot of so many different cultures, backgrounds, and food sources. And that's one of the best things to watch explode in our area right now. Thank you for listening to this episode. Extension Out Loud was produced and edited by Paul Treadwell. For more information about this episode, including show notes and a transcript, visit extensionoutloud.com. And be sure to subscribe to Extension Out Loud on your favorite podcast directory.